Action Park Media. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. Today on American Glutton, I'm joined by Jared Aslett. In July of 2020, Jared began a healing journey after hitting rock bottom. At 480 pounds, he was depressed and in need of drastic change. He is here today to talk about his massive success and share his goals for the future. You can find him on Instagram at jcrushesit. Jared Aslett, welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. Dude, you've had such a fucking radical transformation. It's so incredible. What did you do? Um, you know, I, I was just, uh, I just re-listened to your Joe Rogan podcast. And I was, the point that hit home with me was figuring out what it was that got me to that weight and fixing that. Um, but yeah, I've just been focusing calorie deficit, focus on lead protein, good whole foods, you know, things like that. What, when, okay. What, what was it that got you to that way? What was it habits? Was it, was there other stuff going on? Because, because I come to a point today where I'm like, you know, there was a little bit for me of, um, this idea that I would fix everything. Like every problem I had boiled down to this weight and, and when I got rid of it, I would have no more problems. Come to find out that's not necessarily the case. And so I just want to know, like, what what did you address? Yeah, definitely. Um, for me, it was, you know, growing up, I was a little bit of a bigger kid, but I wasn't like necessarily um, obese. Um, and then in college, and there's just some things that happened in my life, some traumas that happened. And, you know, I learned from an early age that dealing with those for me, um, was, you know, turning to alcohol and partying and things like that. And I just developed these bad habits of, um, you know, excess drinking. And I went to a fraternity college and things like that. And I just convinced myself that I didn't care. I was going to live fast, die young, wasn't worried about any of it. Um, and just these unhealthy habits started stacking up to where it led me to, you know, 480 pounds. Yeah. It's amazing. And what do you weigh now? Um, I weighed in this morning at 255 dude that's so awesome that is so awesome yeah thank you i appreciate it it's was been the, wild was the whole thing just a caloric deficit yeah and it's it's evolved a little bit um throughout you know i started july 1st uh last year and my older brother is a bodybuilder and a trainer and it was i had no idea what i was doing i just knew i wanted to lose the weight right and he set up my macros and everything and it kind of cemented in my mind, this is exactly what you have to hit. And this is exactly what you have to do. And, um, I found like five meals that hit those macros that he wanted me to hit. And I just did the same thing over and over for two months. Um, you know, and it worked great, but I had put in the work or the research to know, you know, understanding really what I wanted to do and um, what I needed to do. And then after that, it kind of shifted into, um, you know, I don't have to hit these exact numbers every meal, um, but just make sure I'm in a deficit and make sure I'm focusing on, you know, the right good whole foods. Yeah. Do you find that 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 becomes a thing like when you're 
when you're overly hyper focused, I mean, it can be it can be weird, too, because like if you deviate at all or even accidentally, you wind up at a place and it's like I, I only got 38 grams of protein, not 50 or whatever the number is. And then this feeling of failure can can knock you off course or something like that. I, I, I mean, I just love that you came to a place where you're like, it's not so rigid. Yeah, absolutely. And it was I mean, it was to the point in the beginning, like uh, a lot of my problems before was alcohol and then just figuring out how many calories I was consuming in alcohol and things like that. But then once I started and he set out these macros, if I didn't hit them, I was stressing about it. And, and he was, you know, doing the bodybuilder, the six meals a day, you got to space them out. And so I'm like, well, what if I can only get to five today? And then I would start stressing out about it. And then I was literally calling him you know, in tears sometimes, like this is so much food. I cannot eat this much food. I'm making myself sick. Like it's, I'm finding it hard to move afterwards. Um, and he's just, you know, he was trying to do it the right way of, you know, the 500 calorie deficit and just do it the healthy way. And once I did my own research and learned, you know, it's all about calories deficit, I kind of slid to a bad place with it. Well, you know, like how low can I get these calories? How fast can I do this? Because all I wanted was just to not be that size anymore. Um, you know, it was restricting me from doing the things that I loved and I had stopped doing all those things because I had got to that size. So, um, you know, trying to find that balance in between, you know, how much is too much and, and things like that. Once I let go of having to hit those exact numbers, um, it was a lot easier for me to kind of stay on plan. Yeah. I mean, like as long as you're in a deficit, which I think at, at the bigger size, I, I know back from when I was, uh, that size i it was like really not hard to get into a deficit you know what i mean like if i just took my behavior prior to wanting to lose weight or or working on weight loss and just adjusted it a little bit i would be in a deficit y you know what i mean like finding a deficit is not so hard and so i i'm glad you got less rigid with it. Although I think that for some people, it's probably super helpful to be rigid in the beginning. You know, if you're very loose in the beginning, maybe you don't even conquer those bad habits. Yeah, for sure. And that, that rigidness gave me the foundational knowledge of what it takes to, you know, understand nutrition and understand, um, you know, the process of losing weight for sure. That's, you know, counting every single calorie and counting every single macro I was consuming. I did that for, you know, a long time. And now I just kind of, um, I know what I'm consuming and I know, you know, this chicken breast is going to be low calorie, healthy, high protein, but I'm not exact tracking yet. Um, once I start getting back into the, the bodybuilding, wanting to be build muscle, then, you know, I'll have to focus on that a little more, but yeah. Do you feel like, do you feel like the keto craze has died a little bit? I, I still, I still see the word keto a lot, but I don't know anybody personally who's doing keto right now. And so I just, I, it just struck me since you're like calorically focused, which I too am calorically focused, but it's gotten so loose that I'm basically just eyeballing everything now, which is really great. Um, but but did have have you talked to people or you seen people does it become this thing of like you must be doing keto has that come up for you oh all the time all the time and it's one of the things that drives me the most crazy about this you know diet culture is everybody has their idea of what you should be doing and and they are very opinionated on it and they have no problems telling you what you should be doing 
Um, and I see people, you know, with the Instagram and TikTok, they're constantly talking about the, the keto. And, um, you know, I saw a video the other day that said, for losing weight, calories don't matter at all. All you need to do is be in ketosis. And I'm like, well, I don't agree with that, but... <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you could be in ketosis and eating 10,000 calories. I mean, those two things hold true. You're probably not going to lose weight. In fact, I mean, you'd have to be exercising an awful lot to be losing weight at that point. Yeah, that is wild. I, it, it just struck me because even a couple of years ago, it was massive. And, and, and people do, I'm sure, have a lot of assumptions on how you did it. You must have done this. You must have done that. Um, do you find that, that that assumption happens more than the question of like, what did you do? Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely. And it's also, you know, it gets to this point where, um, you know, people start seeing the progress and then they start saying things like you're losing it too fast. It's unhealthy. You're never going to maintain this. You're going to gain it all back. And they start telling you these things about yourself that they have no clue about just because, you know, they see a 15 second video or something like that. Um, but, you know, I know in my mind and I know what I'm doing and I know, you know, the life I was living then compared to the life I'm living now, <clears throat> there's no way I'll ever go back to that. Yeah. Has, has your, have you started, ex are you exercising also? Is that a part of what you've changed? Yeah, for sure. Since day one, I was um, in the gym. And then, you know, in the beginning it was, I was coming off of, you know, unfortunately it took me hitting rock bottom <clears throat> and uh, I just came off the end of a relationship and I just decided one day, you know, I'm done. And it was that July 1st. And I texted my brother said, you know, I'm ready. And he said, meet me in the gym in 30 minutes. And I went to the gym and I used to be an athlete. So I was comfortable being there, but we worked out for an hour and a half. And then he's like, all right, we're good for the day. And I, I just lost it. I started crying, like realizing how far I had let myself go. I wasn't lifting near what I used to. I felt like I hadn't done enough. Um, and it was just this realization of, Hey, we're going to have to get after it. And, um, yeah, so I was in the gym about an hour and a half every day. And then I'd walk my dog, um, you know, started out just a mile and now we do five, six miles a day. And then in the beginning I was doing, you know, 20, 30 miles on the exercise bike at night. So I was exercising three hours a day. Just, I became hyper-focused on, you know, getting to where I want to get. Yeah. Uh, July of what year was that? Last year. Last year. Wow. Yeah. So the pandemic had started. It was in the, the midst of that, that you made this change. That's amazing, dude. Yeah. And it was kind of a, I hate to say this and I don't want this to come off as a, the wrong way, but a blessing in disguise because I was able to, I built a home gym with just, you know, this shitty little Bowflex and a, a exercise um, punching bag and exercise bike. And I was able to just lock myself in my own little world and just hyper-focus on getting healthy. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. I think it was an opportunity. Um, it, it, I think for people who had started to do to make a change before, it was very disruptive. But but it was an opportunity, certainly, to make a change to 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 go like, hey, here's this new situation we found ourselves in, and, and what am I going to do with this time? Um, that's amazing. It's a great way to spend that time. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I was um, pretty lucky with the timing of it all. Cause I just started working remote too. So I didn't have the outside, you know, pressures of when am I going to fit in the gym? When am I going to fit in this walk? You know, when am I going to be able to meal prep or cook my meals? It was, I was at home and I was locked in. So. Yeah. Are you still working remote? 
I'm not. No, I'm back to work um, for about two months now. I've been back at work. And has that adjustment been okay? Yeah, for sure. Um, I took, so it's been a lot of like the mental transformation that I've went through is um, astronomically more important to me than the physical even. And I took a few months off of work completely just to travel and be in nature and hike. And, um, you know, I was living out of my truck and I spent a while in Hawaii and then coming back to work was, um, I don't want to let myself slide backwards. So how do I fit this in? And, And I'm lucky where my work, you know, we get to take breaks and go on walks. They don't care at all. So, you know, I'll hit six miles by the time I'm off work. And then I'll just, I found that if I don't go to the gym in the morning before I go to work, going after work is incredibly harder for me just because I get off and I want to go home and sit down and not do anything. But if I go to the gym in the morning, it sets my whole day up to be better. Yeah, no, I'm the same way. If I don't go before work, there's no way I'm going after work. And and so I got to get up early and I got to go before work. And then there are some days where I miss it and I don't beat myself up about it too. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. If you have a particularly hard day at work, you know, are you really going to accomplish that much more in the gym that you didn't accomplish at your hard day of work? Right, for sure. And it was, it's taken me a while to learn that mentality and be okay with giving myself a little bit of grace. Because that first year, I was completely 100% consistent. I never had an off-plan meal. I never missed Um, you know, the gym, if I was planning on going that day, I I took off days, but um, I just allowed myself no chance to deviate from this path that I was on. And in the last few months, I've been able to kind of allow myself that, that grace of not beating myself up. If I, you know, want to have a go out on a date, and not just eat chicken and broccoli on the date, I want to be able to, you know, have a meal. And I've just been able to work that into my plan now. So, yeah, I mean, for years, um, one and I don't even want to say mistake because sometimes you're presented with uh, life circumstances that don't line up to exactly how you want life to go, and so there there would be situations you know like I wind up in Chicago on a layover and then I get a flight canceled and I run out of the food that I brought on the plane that I was like this is going to be the food that I eat for my day of travel and now I've got no food and now we're like six hours past when the meal is supposed to happen. And you go like, okay, now I have to go find food in this airport, which is really difficult if you're on a specific diet. And and then I go like, you know, there was a time where that would lead to like, well, fuck today's flight. I'm going to go into Chicago and get deep dish pizza and the hot dogs with the neon relish and do all of that simply because life presented me with this situation where I had to go off my diet. And now it's kind of just like, Hey, I'm, I'm in this situation. I didn't plan enough or, you know, God or whoever doesn't give a shit about what my plan is and presented me with these circumstances. And that's okay. Like I'm not going to throw away all my hard work because of that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, I think that's important too, where for me, where understanding the nutritional concept in the beginning has allowed me now to where if I have to do something like that, I understand it's just in the calories and I can adjust throughout my day. Yeah. And there are, and there are options. There are certainly options like, you know, and, and like, I, I I don't want to just hate on the keto people. If somebody's doing keto and it's working, I say, 
good for you. Keep doing it. And so like knowing nutritionally what's in some stuff, if that's your plan and you're doing high fat, you can understand maybe what to eat a little bit better, what has less carbs, what has higher fat. And, you know, a, a ribeye steak might be good for you if you can find that in an airport. Good luck. And then for somebody who's doing low fat or something like that, maybe you want something with some carbohydrates and without fat and, 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 and that you can find too. I think understanding nutrients is super important, especially if you're doing um, one of these diets that isn't necessarily keto or, you know, low fat where, you know, fit for life. If you're doing fit for life and you're just following their template or weight watchers, Weight Watchers is pretty good because you get this point system. So you kind of can move through life with the points. But if you're doing some template and you have no idea what the, the macros are or the nutritional values of the food are, you're just kind of eating some program. I, I agree. I think it's a good thing to, to understand so that if you're caught outside of that, you can maintain it. For sure. Yeah. And I think part for me is, is that I only focus on calories and protein. So that makes it a lot easier to find meals when I'm on the go and stuff like that. Um, I don't worry about carbs or fat anymore. I was in the beginning, but um, for what I'm trying to do right now, which is just lose weight, I think that those two things for me are the most important for sure. So you're getting as much protein as you, or you, you have a, a, some threshold on protein intake and then overall calories. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess my protein is just making sure that that is the main thing that I'm eating. The main part of my meal is the lean protein. And then, yeah, in the beginning it was make sure you hit 50 grams of protein every meal, 50 grams carbs, less than 12 fat and 600 calories. And I was eating that five (laughs) times a day, you know, and that cemented in my mind, like this is exactly what you have to hit. And it's, it was just, the mental toll it took on me because I found five meals and I just ate those exact same five meals for months. Yeah. Well, and then you, I mean, and that does get really, really boring after a while. It does for sure. And you know, but I saw incredible results too with it in the beginning, you know, I lost 30 pounds the first month, 25, the second month. And I was like, okay, this works. And then I started, you know, following people that um, had done this before, you know, and the first thing I did is YouTube extreme weight loss and finding out what people did and learn that it was just a calorie deficit yeah. um, from what my research was telling me. Yeah. No, I mean, listen, the reality is even if a keto guy and, and, and again, I'm not dissing keto. If you're pro, if you're successfully losing weight or accomplishing any physical goal on keto, that's awesome. But if you're losing weight on keto, it's because the amount that you're eating is less than your body needs to maintain its size. That's, and regardless of whether you like the words or not, that the way we communicate that energy is with the word calories. And so, you know what I mean? It's pretty much that simple. If you're losing weight on keto, it's because you are doing keto and you also happen to be in a caloric deficit, period you can, you can lose. The only time this is maybe not true is if you're still depleting glycogen from your muscles. And so you could be eating higher calories than you need and losing water weight because the stores of glycogen in your muscles are getting used up and you're, you don't have them. You're not replacing them. 
that doesn't last very long. So that's not a consistent long-term thing. That's a couple of days, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's, and I'm sure I'm not a doctor or anything, so I'm sure there's different people say there's different medical benefits to doing this diet versus this or intermittent fasting and stuff like that. And I just chose to deliberately ignore all of that for now and just lose weight because that's the only thing that I cared about in the beginning. So, right. And, and by the way, I think most doctors are on the same page with like, you know, unless you, um, are having something very acute that is separate to being overweight. Um, that's an ailment where they're like, listen, we're going to have to stitch you up first. Then we'll worry about losing weight. But that is for the most part, a generally agreed upon thing by doctors, which is like, if you want to improve your health, lose some weight, you know? Yeah, definitely. And there's, you know, I've, my doctors had to get after me a couple of times too. Cause like I said, I went to the dark side of it of trying to get too low. And then I have, people telling me, you know, um, you're eating too much. It's like your heart's a muscle too. So you're losing muscle. You could die. Like literally telling me these things that I could be killing myself. And I'm like, I just lost 200 pounds. Like, I think I'm better, more healthier now than I was then, you know, regardless of how I got there. Um, and, and, you know, I certainly don't advocate going that low or how low I was. And I still struggle with it now talking about that, you know, now that I have this platform with the social media, it's, how, well, how low did you go? I was maybe like 800 to a thousand for a while. Yeah. And, and my doctor's like, you can't do that. You need to bump that up. And, and I did bump it up. And then I saw, you know, the weight loss slowing. So then that's a total mind fuck of its own. Like, look, what you were doing was working faster than what they're telling you to do. But I just came to this understanding, like my goal shouldn't be just losing weight. My goal should be being the healthiest possible person I can be. And if my doctor says that's going to make me healthier, then I should probably listen to my doctor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And okay. So when you went down to 800, a thousand calories, I mean, was your energy good? What, what, what was that like doing it like that? Yeah. My, that's the thing. My energy was always fine, but the part that, that scared me is when I was going to the gym, I could physically tell that I was lifting less weight. So I could tell that I wasn't be able to do as much reps and I could tell that the amount of weight I was lifting was getting less and less. So I knew that I was also losing muscle. Um, and that part really worried me because, you know, I've, I've heard you talk about it on your podcast when you're a big guy, there's muscles under there, um, you know, and it's a lot harder to build muscle than it is to once you lose it. So um, it was important to me to try and keep that muscle. And once I saw that I was losing it, it freaked me out enough that, um, I went back to my doctor and said, Hey, this is what's happening. And he's like, hey, well, yeah, dumbass, you're not eating enough. <laughs> yeah. When, yeah, when I did, um, cause I lost a bunch of weight on extremely low calories also. And I just, what, you know, I was doing a ton of cardio and that was part of it. Um, but I was not happy with, I, I didn't feel comfortable. I didn't have a lot of strength. I had no upper body muscle mass or very little. And I was, I wasn't, I wasn't into it. And then I wound up gaining a way, way too much back. Like I went back up to almost 400 pounds, um, which I wasn't happy with either. It was like, it took a long time of bouncing around these things of like, you know, these ideas are very big. Like I want to lose weight. And then it's very general, like this idea of, okay, I want to just reduce my size, but what does that mean? Do you want to be heroin chic? Do you want to be, you know, this idea because big people are strong because they also have a lot of muscle. And then it can be jarring to 
lose a ton of weight and also lose that strength, which you, you don't always think about. I didn't think about that. I was just like, I just, you know, how am I going to lose weight? And then I lost weight. I wasn't powerful anymore. And I wanted, you know, to, yeah, absolutely. It's and it's, a, I think it's, cycle. yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. No. Um, and it's, it's so important. I think like when, you know, podcasts like yours and hearing people talk about this, because in the beginning I had no idea what I was doing or where I wanted to go or, you know, how to keep muscle or how to build muscle. And I just, I'm a big firm believer in listening to people that know more than you and being humble enough to know that. So when I started searching and hearing things and hearing somebody like yourself talk about how you did it and, um, all the different aspects of how you did it is so important because then I can relate to it um, and kind of try and mimic the good thing aspects of it. So, yeah. you know, my end goal is to look like you look now, you know, so <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. I mean, and, and listen, you totally can, you're a big dude. You look, you look very strong, you know, and I've, I've looked at pictures of you on Instagram. You look like a big, strong guy. I, I mean, you're right there, dude. I appreciate that. Yeah. And it, for me, it's, you know, the goal of doing the things I love again, which is, you know, the sports and, you know, look like I went snowboarding, I've snowboarded my whole life and I used to work on a ski mountain and I went, tried to go a couple of years ago and I hadn't, the concept of how big I was never really phased me or didn't really sink in that like, Hey, this is very out of control until I went snowboarding and I get off the lift and try to put my snowboarding boots on and I can't reach them because I'm just too big. And so I had to have um, my ex at the time strap me in. And then I went to get up and I couldn't push myself up off of the snow. And so I used a chair and climbed up and I did one run and sat in the lodge and she went like seven more runs without me. And then we left. And it was like realizing that, hey, you can no longer do the things that bring you joy in your life. And, you know, and unfortunately, that still wasn't enough to make me change until a few months later when, you know, the breakup and this rock bottom kind of happened. But being able to now, like last winter, I was down maybe you know 80 pounds 100 pounds and i was snowboarding like six or seven times and it was fine so now that it's about to be winter and snow's coming again i'm so excited to be you know quote unquote normal-ish weight and be able to go shred all day and just just really do the things that i used to love that i stopped doing and being an athlete was one of those so i'm excited to get back into football and uh baseball and stuff like that too so that is so awesome dude don't go anywhere we'll be right back That is so awesome. When did your weight gain begin? It started um, in college. So it was like 2008. And uh, my freshman year of college, I was maybe like 210 pounds. Um, and I just come off of my senior year, like a series of traumas that just, you know, really devastated me. And I grew up in small town, Idaho, like as a man, you don't deal with that shit, you just stuff it down. And the way I did that was with alcohol. And it's so I and then I joined a fraternity, like what better place to hide that than in a fraternity where you're drinking all the time. And then after, after college and I wasn't playing sports anymore, I was still eating like I was training and I was just drinking, you know, uncontrollably. And it just ballooned up from there. Yeah. I, I wonder, I, I, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot and, and I, I wonder if we've gotten to a place and, you know, there was a, a study, there was a, an article in time magazine in 2007 that talked about how, um, obesity was contagious socially like if you're if you're around obese people your likelihood to become obese raises like really significantly and as 
um, there is more and more obesity. I just wonder if, if it's easier for, cause, and, and look, I don't know what my issues are. I haven't, I haven't done enough psychoanalysis to go like, well, it's because of X that I was obese. I don't know, but I do know that like, I don't know. It just, it, it, it was upsetting and, and something I thought about all the time, but it wasn't ever that life became so um, complicated because of it, that I had to change. I had to change because I determined that my relationship with my wife wasn't going to work out unless I changed. And I was almost inspired to change because of her. But I, I just wonder if as we grow larger and larger, it just becomes this thing where you can like blink and a couple of years go by and you're obese and there were no obstacles to getting that way. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, and I, I even put on blinders to the fact of, you know, I'd never acknowledged that I was that big until some situation came around where, you know, it made you realize like, oh, you don't fit in this chair. <laughs> Um, you know, and then it would kind of click like, uh, you know, maybe you should do something about this, but, um, yeah. And it was for me and I preach about this on, on my pages that the, I blame my success on weight loss is going to therapy for the first time. Um, that was step one for me and figuring out these issues and finally talking about them and figuring out why I was drinking to, you know, escape reality or why I was turning to macaroni and cheese and pizza. You know, it was, figuring that out has by far been the most important part for me. Yeah. I, I think about um, the way I use food, the way I use drugs and alcohol too, a lot. And I, you know, a lot of it was an attempt to escape my mind because the food gave me the, the, this, this pleasure sensation that allowed me to have some disconnect from my mind, which was torturing me. And then I was able to find a very similar thing with drugs and alcohol. Uh, being me was so uncomfortable. I needed to have some way to detach myself from me. And I could get that with food, especially when I overate. And, and suddenly this haunting sensation of being me is not there because I'm feeling whatever physical joy you feel from having a shitload of sodium and fat and carbohydrates hit your system all at once, right? And flavor and, and you get this endorphin or whatever it is and very similar with drugs and alcohol. And so then I thought like, well, if I just figure out these things, I won't mind being me. Not quite the case. Now it's time to like be comfortable being me, which is, you know, maybe easier said than done, but I also think that working towards positive goals is super helpful in feeling good about yourself. And I, it's, it's helped me a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's this weird, you know, vicious circle too. Like you're talking about for me anyways, it was, I didn't like who I was in the situation. And a lot of that was because of my weight. So then I would drink and eat these foods, which were contributing to me getting bigger. So then I would, be mad and pissed off that I was bigger. So then I would drink and eat and it's just this never ending cycle. Of, uh, and it leads you to where I, where I got eventually. Yeah. What are your goals now? Yeah. And it's, it's kind of changing right now. I'm actually really excited. So, um, 
I, my big end goal has always been to hike the PCT, the Pacific Crest Trail. Wow. And, um, you know, we find out November 9th, they do the permit drawing. So my goals are going to radically shift on November 9th. If I figure out that I can do that. Can we, um, can we, I want to, I want to really understand that. Cause I have, I have looked at it. Isn't it over a thousand miles? Yeah. It's 2,650 miles hiking from Mexico to Canada. Yeah. And it goes through wow. like the Mojave desert and the Sierras, and, uh, cascades and everything. So I've always been an outdoorsy guy. Um, and it's just always been a lifelong dream of mine. And now I'm finally to a weight where I can actually do it. And I have my life situation has allowed me to really focus on that. So if I get that permit, it's go time. Um, and and, and what, how do the permits work? Only a certain amount of people are allowed to do it? Yeah, there's only like a two and a half, three month window where you can leave and like beat the snow um, before you hit Canada. And so to keep the access low and the the how it hurts the trail they only allow 50 people a day for wow. that window yeah so and, and you know thousands will get on on november 9th and it's a lottery system you just hope your number's low enough to pick a date so and as you're going are there are, are you coming into contact with civilization or you're just in the middle of nowhere for two thousand miles um yeah so you you're living out of your backpack very minimally but there's i mean you Every once in a while, every like week or so, you hitchhike into town to refuel and get your, um, you know, free stock on food and things like that. And then you're right back on the trail. So um, everyone can, you can do it however you want. You know, some people go in groups, some people go in solitude, and some people never get off trails. And some, you know, are every few days they're getting a hotel room and things like that. So how are you planning on doing it? Solitude? Solitude, for sure. And for me, it's, it's, you know, there's always been this, I have a very stressful job and it's this concept of the only thing I have to focus on for the day is putting one foot in front of the other. And for me, that's, there's something so intriguing about that. So I just want to get out there and, you know, figure out who Jared is and be alone with myself for five months and really try and figure out what I want to do with my life. Dude. I, I mean, just hearing you say that I got tense because like, not only the idea of being like alone in the wilderness is is wild but like being alone with myself like okay however long it takes a while i imagine to walk to 2000 miles through the mountains how long does it take um average is about 5 months 5 months yeah yeah and wow. it's wow right and and the concept for me too that i've just started thinking about is it's you know, I'm going to be a person that has taken my body to two of the most extremes you can go through. <laughs> and, you know, if you see these people after walking that trail, they're just skin and bones, you know? So, um, cause you can't, you're burning 10,000 calories a day. There's no way you can eat that much, especially with what you're carrying on your backpack. So yeah, it's, it's very exciting. I really hope I get a permit, but dude, that, that, uh... I, l- listen, I hope you get a permit too. And I hope we can have another conversation about this once you're, once you're done doing it or a check-in or something like that sounds like such a crazy adventure. Yeah, absolutely, man. Definitely. And it's, you know, that's the the big goal, but if I don't get that, then my goal kind of shifts to, you know, getting to, I don't have a number in mind. Um, I just know that I want to get to a weight that is optimal for skin surgery, um, to have the best result from that. And then, um, you know, start to build, build some muscle after that. And it's, I, I listened to your, 
I think it was with Will Sasso, your podcast, where you talked about your skin surgery and that's ripping open. I'm like, that is absolutely terrifying. I wish I hadn't heard that just now, but you know, that's a reality that you have to think about, um, that it's a, a, you know, pretty intense surgery. So, yeah. And like, I, I, I think that's the first time I ever really publicly talked about that, but like to, to that point, I think that, um, what I experienced was very much a, a lot of anxiety about gaining weight after having had that skin surgery. And, and listen, it's also my own mental health, which I can't posit onto you or anyone else and say, you're going to have the same experience as me. This was just my experience. So it doesn't have to go this way. But if you find yourself having had skin removal surgery and you're feeling unbelievably anxious about weight gain, Calm the fuck down and sit still and allow yourself to heal before you try to go do anything because that's, in my opinion, that should be the number one priority. You've been cut ostensibly in half, sewn together, and like you need some time to heal before. And you're probably not going to gain a lot of weight, but if you do, it's going to be inconsequential compared to the damage you could do by trying to get back to being active too soon. Do you know what I mean? Oh, for sure. And that, that anxiety of even thinking about it gives me that being, having to be sedentary for six, eight weeks, whatever is incredibly anxiety inducing because um, the, the weight gain is an aspect of it. But for me too, the, the activity and the stuff that I'm doing now is so important to my mental health. Um, you know, it's significantly different when I can go to the gym and I feel good and it's, you know, the mental aspect of it is so incredible. So to have to be sedentary for six weeks is terrifying to me. Yeah. These are, that's the thing. Like I didn't, first of all, when I lost weight, uh, you know, I didn't know that I was going to have a ton of loose skin. There was no, there was no me saying, Hey, this is a big part of it you know and and there was no you know I don't think he's talked about it much anymore but there I used to listen to Joe Rogan and he'd talk about the one guy who like ate nothing for a year and didn't have any loose skin and lost 200 pounds or something like that and I'd go that could be me wasn't me you know um, I had all kinds of loose skin and it was so shocking so jarring so upsetting that like I've done all this work and now I'm still not happy with my body. And, uh, you know, that's, it's a shit place to be. So I think that like, to your point, like I too feel better when I exercise and that's become a part of my life. If, if tomorrow I was choosing to do something that put me on my ass for six weeks and not thinking that through, I could run into trouble. But if you think through all that stuff, if you go into massive weight loss going, one of the highly potential byproducts of this is loose skin. I'm going to, you know, what in this moment is more important, loose skin or maintaining my current size? Like these, these are my kind of choices right now. For me, I still would choose, I'm going to go with loose skin. That, that would be my choice. If, if, if I, I'm thinking through it very clearly. I would rather have a bunch of loose skin than be the size that I was. That's my preference. Um, but like if I had gone into that surgery with like even 
a therapist going like, I want you to think through every moment of this. Like, what is, what is, what makes your day good right now? All of that's going away. And, 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 you know, then there's like all the anesthesia and the lethargy and, and the, and then, you know, potentially bad eating habits coming back in. So that, that was a, a lot to, to take into consideration that I hadn't, I just hadn't, I went into weight loss with just the goal of lose weight. No, like I want to retain muscle mass or what do I really want to look like? And then I wasn't happy with it a number of times. I went into skin removal surgery. It was a disaster, dude. So like if, if, if it's helpful because you can now go into it and avoid some of these pitfalls, I, I, that makes me feel good. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and it's you know the the mental aspect of the loose skin for me doesn't bother me because I mean, I've always been very self-conscious of my body and and I can honestly say that nobody has seen me with my shirt off since I was like 6 and I was engaged and that includes her. Um right. and I've I've worn, you know, under armor and compression my entire adult life just because in my head like oh this is going to make you not look as big or not look 500 pounds when in reality it's not really doing anything of that size so for me i knew i was going to have weight loss surgery and the idea or uh, not weight loss surgery skin surgery and the idea of being able to one day be able to not have to wear compression or be able to take my shirt off at the beach that idea of that is so much more powerful than the idea of looking in the mirror and seeing, you know, these saggy man boobs, um, you know, it doesn't, I know where I'm going to go with it. So it doesn't bother me as much right now, I guess. Okay, good. Yeah, good. And, 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 you know, I know some guys um, who don't, who haven't opted for it and I'm like more power to you. Like, I think it's important that people get an idea of what they could potentially be, confronted with you know what i mean and i really respect those guys that didn't do that didn't do that i just had no idea i really didn't i i i kept waiting for my skin to tighten up and it wasn't happening and then i went and did like seaweed wraps and and sodium baths and stuff to try to and that did nothing and and finally saw a dermatologist and he was like yeah skin's an organ you don't really catabolize it and so there's no way for your body to make it smaller once it's grown to a certain size. Um, and, and I was, I was truly dumbfounded by how did nobody, how did, how is this not in any diet book? You know what I mean? Um, Cause it's certainly, I, I, you know, m- maybe, and this is going back like 15, 16 years, and maybe there just weren't as many, people going through massive weight loss back then but certainly now there are enough where there's an industry of skin loss surgery and um i personally think it's helpful to talk about because not to scare anybody off i still think if but but it's a reality so it should be spoken of for sure yeah and i was lucky because you know with youtube and stuff the first thing i did was start searching people you know one of the first people I found was John, you know, that had talked about, um, you know, his infamous video of him with the loose skin. And and so I knew at the beginning, this was going to be my reality. And I've been very lucky that way. And on the same side, you know, now that I've never been like a 
very public person and the social media stuff's very new to me, like a few months old and it just blew up out of nowhere. So I still, there's people messaging me and asking constantly about the loose skin and I've never posted about, you know, with my shirt off then and now, and it kind of, I start to get this feeling of like, you know, you could help somebody if you did this, but mentally I'm just not there and I, I'm not able to do that and be that vulnerable yet, you know, maybe someday, but I'm, yeah. I'm very thankful that there's people that were. Yeah, dude, listen, I, I'm super uncomfortable with it too. And, and like, you know, I, I even have visible abs and I don't like taking my shirt off. But so I'm, I'm, I feel you though, because I've felt that way a lot too. Like this could be helpful. I could show this. And then I'm like, there's a picture of me floating around without my shirt on. You can see loose skin and that's post-surgery. So you understand there's lots of loose skin to be had. Thank God for John, um, because I think he is really doing a big service for the community of people who have massive, who are undergoing massive weight loss. I really, really do. Um, John, obese to beast is his name on Instagram. He's an awesome guy and he, he really does let it all hang out, which I think is super helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, there's people on, you know, this Instagram weight loss community, you can find a bunch of them that are doing the same thing. And that's one of the first things I did is create this fake Instagram. You know, it's, it's, um, Jay crushes it. Jay is not my name. It's Jared, obviously, but I made this private account to track myself and follow all these people that have done what I did. And, you know, that was the first thing is trying to figure out how to do it and seeing these people with the results and seeing the loose skin and stuff. It was just very, very, I'm very grateful for people that are able to put that out there like that for sure. Yeah, me too. It's very inspirational to me. Guys like you are very inspirational to me. Dude, the fact that you're planning on going or, or you have the goal of going to spend five months alone hiking 2000 miles, that's super inspirational. I appreciate that. Yeah. And it's, if I'm being honest, that the I word is what I call it. It still makes me very uncomfortable just because, you know, I'm just trying to fix myself, you know, and I still have that mentality of trying to, um, you know, just get to my goals. So the fact that people want to follow along and say things like inspiring still makes me a little uncomfortable, but, and then I think back to what did I do? I was looking at other people that were doing this. So I think that makes me a little more comfortable being able to, you know, somebody out there wants to do what I've I'm doing right now that I can share that. Maybe it gives them a little bit of hope. Um, yeah, dude. And, and much in the way I think that um, this explanation of scientifically proving obesity can be uh, communicable socially in the same way. I think that the more and more people who are going like, hey, I won uh, or I'm I'm winning. I'm beating this, this demon on my back. I'm, uh, I'm overcoming this thing I thought I couldn't overcome. And the more of us there are going like, you don't have to, I don't care if it's your goal. If it's not your goal, don't ignore me. Right. I'm not trying to shame anybody or say you should do what I did, but I'm saying that I felt for a long time that it was impossible. And now I know it's not. And so guys like you and me can get out there and maybe create a little bit of social contagion in that direction. Yeah, definitely. And I just have to say too, it's, um, you know, this is 
one of the craziest things that's ever happened to me is being able to talk to you right now. You know, I grew up watching your stuff and even a couple of weeks ago, um, one of my friends was showing, remember the Titans in her classroom. And I was like, Oh, you have to check this out. You know, and I pull up your account and show them and just being able to see that is, is, uh, it's pretty awesome to see somebody that I used to look up to and that I still do look up to be able to do that, um, is incredible. So I'm grateful for you for sharing, um, Dude. your process. Jared, thank you so much. I appreciate that. It means a lot to me. And uh, I hope we stay in touch. And I, and I really do. If you, if you do this thing, we got we to gotta talk about it when you're done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll find out November 9th. So. <laughs> Amazing. Let me know if you're doing it. Are you going to? Sure. I, I don't know how this would work. How would you charge your phone? You can, are you going to document it somehow? Um, yeah, there's, you can carry like portable um, power banks and stuff like that. Okay. Um, and one thing, you know, an interesting aspect of mine is I, uh, the only health other than being obese, the only health problem that I had at that size is I had sleep apnea that I got a couple years ago and I still use the sleep apnea machine. So if I have to hike that and carry that, it's an extra few pounds that I'm going to be carrying and have to worry about charging that, keeping a battery for that too. So there's different aspects that you have to plan for when going on the trail, but, um, yeah, charging. There's like little solar panels and stuff like that, that you can carry. You can hang them on your backpack or something. Yeah, for sure. Hope there's no rain or like yeah. no clouds or whatever. Yep, definitely. And and like the first 700 miles when you're in the Mojave Desert, you're hiking in the morning and at night. So midday, you find shade, throw out your solar panels, and take a nap. You know, so. Yeah. Amazing. It sounds. I I hope you get to document it because I would love. That would be something that would be you know, I, I would tune into Instagram every day to check out how you were doing on that. Man, I appreciate that. I will for sure. Fingers awesome. crossed. Yeah. Well, let me know if you do that. And uh, thank you so much for, for sharing with us. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. And now for the Q&A. This question comes from Ian. Hi, Ian. A question for your Q&A, actually a couple, and you can decide to answer it, Let's see if at got. all. <laughs> he says, first up, I try to do weights three times and two bike rides a week. I'm 224 pounds, six foot three, and looking to burn fat and build muscle. Is it possible to, to build muscle while losing fat? Also, ha ha, so this must be question number two, should you lose weight and then look to build? So he's saying, is it possible to build muscle while losing fat? And question number two, should you lose weight and then go for the building? Yeah. Okay. And we're giving him two questions. We don't usually do that. Does he have a third? <laughs> no, that was it. That's it? Okay, great. <laughs> um, so I just, just for perspective, I don't know what your makeup is. Like, I don't know how overweight you are. I'm 6'1 and 270. So I... Uh, and I have very little fat. Um, so 6'3", 225, the image that conjures in my head is of an Adonis who I'm going like, this guy probably looks fucking awesome, right? So I don't know. I don't know how much uh, fat he needs or wants to lose. So that's number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, if if he's going from 20% or he wants to go from 20% body fat to 10% body fat. Um, for sure, 
Wait, did I answer question one? Well, question one was, is it possible, possible. to build muscle okay. wall? Okay, so here we get into, there are studies that show that you can do that. They are all dealing with people who really have never worked out before. So you have this instance or people who are going through puberty or people who are taking a lot of steroids. So barring that, if you're just a guy who's been, sounds like he's been working out for a while, it is very unlikely that you're going to build muscle while you're burning fat. You're, so basically you have to be in a caloric deficit in order to be using the stores of fat as energy. And your body is just not going to be inclined to develop muscle while you're in a deficit because your body's going like, screw you. Uh, we're not, you know, you're basically, we're doing everything we can just to survive. We're using our stores. There's not really muscle building happening then. Now, there are drugs that you can take to build muscle in that window, which if you look at some of the guys who win like the... Uh, the big bodybuilding competitions, they're clearly doing stuff like that where they're in a caloric deficit because they're so lean and they're building muscles because they're gigantic. My suggestion, if you want bigger muscles, is to lose weight very, very slowly and do resistance training, which it sounds like you're doing in the gym, uh, because that will help you preserve the muscle you have while you're losing weight. And I, and so now question two is very easy. That depends on how much, uh, body fat you have, like the, the bodybuilders that I like, I, you know, I'm paraphrasing from memory from a study I read or something that Dr. Mike Isretel wrote, but he was talking about getting below 15% body fat before you even think about putting muscle on. Mm. I don't, I don't know if there's some health reason for this or, uh, or, or if it's beneficial. Like I think, I think if you're, I don't think your body cares. Like it's just more resistance for your body. So the more fat you have, it's just like you're working out more. So you're, you're developing muscle just from carrying your body around. So then if you add resistance training and a caloric surplus, you're eating more food, especially protein and carbohydrates to fuel you, um, that you'll develop muscle just fine at whatever body fat you, percentage you are, right? Okay, yeah. Is that clear? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's really like, where are you at? Where do you want to be? Um, if you're 24% body fat, yeah, maybe you, you diet down to 15 or 14% body fat and then think about doing a massing phase where you're trying to actively put on muscle. Yeah. I don't think uh, normal people need to do what the bodybuilders do. Right. You know? Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Thanks. But whatever, if that's what they want to do, they can do that too. Yeah, it all it depends on the person and that's what they right. want. Yeah. Great. Thank you for your questions. I thought they were both great. Yeah. If you have a question that you'd like Ethan to answer, please email it to us at americanglutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee, and as always, joined by my chaperone, Paige Dorian. 
Follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely.